The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Today's edition of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by Anchor.fm, a free distribution service podcasting hosting platform that allows you to record your podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor.fm app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Welcome back everyone to Neo Reality Collective. We're back and this time we're bringing back the old news style font instead of, you know, where I talk about a single article. And this time we're going to deduct about a bunch of articles for this first half of this week of, 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 of December. And then we're going to finish off the last half, hopefully, unless I t- decide to talk about bonus segment and make a review. But right now it looks to be good for now, but we'll see. So, at, so Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, came out, who is the star in The Witcher show, says he would like The Witcher show to go to Tosent. If I pronounce that wrong, it is because I am terrible at this. <laughs> uh, he spoke about where the show could go beyond adapting the novels of the Witcher author while talking to IGN during a recent press event for the, Se- for the Witcher, especially when in regards to the seventh season plan. We don't know quite know what happens to Gellert at the end of the books. There's a strong suggestion, but then we also have the games, which happened after the books. And then the games all have different endings as well, so maybe something happens after that. Maybe something has happened before that. When asked, Asked about the setting of the of the Witcher 3's acclaimed Blood and Wine DLC would make a good location of the show, Henry Cavill, Cavill said it would be, yes. Yes, Tosense exists in the, within the books and Gellert spends some time there because he gets trapped there when the pastor gets snowed in and, and so I think that would be a beautiful opportunity to explore. <laughs> And while he's visited that while reading the books, he's never been there in the video game for. I actually haven't played the DLC, The Audacity, but I'm saving that because I've heard that they are both brilliant and I'm going to perhaps sit down at Christmas with my nephews and see if we can have some fun there. Oh boy. This was part of the big press talk when the cast, when they were talking about the seven season plan for the show. Oh, and... Oh, and I haven't watched the Witcher shows yet. Uh, I just never piqued my interest in it. Maybe I'll change my mind, but that will all depend down the road. But Henry Cavill, uh, Cavill, uh, I keep changing his name for some reason. I always get Henry Cavill or Henry Cavill. And I don't know why I keep hearing two different things on that. It's like Kamala Khan or Kamala. When people talk about it, I just call her Kamala. I'm just more used to calling her that, and what a lot of people are used to calling her that, but okay. 
Henry Cavill has said that he also would like to be part of a War Warhammer TV show or movie, should a live-action project ever happen. During the Witcher event, he also talked about that, saying there are a lot of characters from the Warhammer universe that I want to be in, but I can only really be one, because once I'm one, then I can't be others. Unless they're clone troopers, in which case, then you can be all of them. So if it were ever to happen, if there was to be anything live action, I would have to very be very aware of that. Warhammer is obviously character rich, and especially in the 40k universe. I suppose I could play a different character from the Warhammer Fantasy universe versus the 40k universe, but now I'm just streaming. I had to speak to the guys at Games Workshop and see what happens. One suggested that he make a good Gregor Enshorn, a character from the trilogy of Warhammer 40k Inquisitor books written by Dan Edmund. Henry Cavill, Cavill all said, that would be exciting, yes, but then I burned Primarchs and the Captain General, so I don't really know. Oh, man. Henry Cavill loves his gaming. He loves his works. Uh, if only we could be rich and famous like Henry Cavill and get to play video games as much as we want. I'm sad now. Oh man, and, and that guy's just not stopping. He, he is not stopping. Like, Henry Cavill also says he would love to have a conversation about the Mass Effect TV series, saying he would love to be part of it. Depending on how close the adaptation stays true to the original games, it's very much so, yeah, all depending on how they're executing it when asked about his interest in the series. The world of adaptation can be heavy or light. When I like a product, I prefer the adaptation to be less changed from the source, so it all depends. The actor added the Mass Effect series officially finds a home, he would love to have a conversation. This was a little bit... Back in February, he may have even teased the existence of a Mass Effect project when he posted a photo of himself holding a bunch of blurred out papers. IGN unblurred the images to reveal that Cavill was holding papers first with text directly from Mass Effect 3's Wikipedia page. So, Henry Cavill wants to be, is the Witcher, Superman, uh, let's see, he wants to be a Warhammer, and he now wants to be a Mass Effect player in the universes. Oh, man. Henry Cavill is... Oh, man. I, I honestly like the guy's dedication to loving all the video game adaptations, like, Put me in all of them. I want to be Superman again. I want to be a video game TV character. I want to be everything. Everything! And he's also been in Mission Impossible, where he is now known for his famous gun fists. Because I'm still trying to wonder that. Like, how does he do that? The, the, when he blocks his fist and all of a sudden just comes out like he's arming himself with guns. Like he's loading up. Okay. Also, <laughs> Pia Molyneux, the, you know, that guy who made a whole bunch of big promises back in the day and then failed to deliver on almost all of them. And he, as part of 22 Cans, decides to get in the NFT business and blockchain. Yay, I want to contribute to environmental destruction. Boink. <laughs> this is a play to earn game, uh, as they call it. Um, 
so to start play it's a game called legacy and players must purchase this is a business simulation game must purchase a land nft which will allow you to begin your own blockchain business association in the game if you buy an nft and become a landowner then you can create your own digital buildings and products from thousands of available parts in order to build and expand the business empire alternately you can become an in-game business partner and borrow items from someone who is a landowner although you'll have to share a cut of your earnings with them Crucially, those earnings are a new cryptocurrency called Legacy Coin that exists on the blockchain they use. The Legacy Block says the coin will have many exciting and innovative utilities, though the majority are yet to be revealed. It should be noted that that, that Eurythium is based on a proof-of-work system of blockchain, which, consider, which is considerably energy-intensive and is a cause of concern among environmental experts. So, Peter Molyneux is like, hell yeah, let's burn the earth even more to the hell. And make it a little hell on earth. Wait. Oh, God. How many times do I have to keep... How many times will Jim Sterling have to scream into the void until people start thinking, hey, maybe this guy will actually listen? Maybe we should listen to this guy. It's just... It's just annoying that we're at this point. That we're still trying our damnedest to ready to turn the earth into a cooking pot into a pressure cooker and yeah we are feet so moving on from environmentally destructive technology let's go back to uh something more positive and jim sterling can handle the other bs going on in the world Tom Hardy was an extra during the filming for The Matrix Resurrection. If he makes the scenes in the final cut. During an interview with actress Jessica Henwick, who stars in The Matrix Resurrection, revealed that she might be spotted in the background in some scenes along with Venom star Tom Hardy. We were filming in San Francisco at the same time of Venom 2 and I met Tom Hardy. And so Tom Hardy and I are running in the background of one of the scenes and I'm so curious whether it made the cut. So, according to Henwick, she would often visit the set on days when she wasn't filming just to watch Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann and Moss. I can't wait to get a digital copy of the film because I'm actually in the background in a bunch of scenes as me, as me, Jess. So if someone zooms in, they'll be like, wait, is that Bugs in the background of the mob running? Henwick has already been quite vocal about the quality of The Matrix Resurrection, claiming the upcoming sci-fi sequel will revolutionize the film industry, saying it's a trip, it's the nostalgia and seeing Keanu and Carrie Ann. And on screen, it's magical to see the two absolute Hollywood heavyweights returning to the characters that made them famous. As a fan, I love it. She also had to choose, um, had to, had her own red and blue pill moment, where she revealed that she would have to, she was forced to choose during the uh, production of these two film of two films, would she go to the Matrix Resurrections, or go into a role of Shang Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings? Yeah, she said it was a red red pill, blue pill moment for me. And I'm thinking, oh, that would have been so interesting. You could either go to The Matrix or the director who has not turned out so many great films along with her sister in recent years. 
and like they're interesting concepts and constructs, but sure. Or you could go to the MCU and make bank. She chose the red pill, in all honesty. I think she chose the red pill. So we'll have to see how that goes. Matrix is in theater on HBO Max in theaters on December 22nd, 2021. I think it's the last film, honestly, of HBO Max's 2022 point. I mean, 2021 plan, but yeah. Also, Keanu Reeves is creepy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, remember how Chuck Norris was popular for a time until he kind of faded into the background and no one really remembers him and then Keanu Reeves got super popular well um now it seems Keanu Reeves can say uh well I have one thing Keanu that Keanu Reeves has can say I have one thing that Chuck Norris didn't have I didn't have a game where people modded me to have sex with them what Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, he also admits that he hasn't played the game during the interview with The Verge. He seemed genuinely happy to let the players try to mod the game in order to get down and dirty. When Reese found out about the players, he fist-pumped the air in joy while receiving a pat on the back from his Matrix co-star, Carrie Ann Moss. Okay. Yeah, that, that was the thing. When asked about how he felt about that kind of attention, he said, Oh my god, it's always nice when it's nice and, you know. The joy sadly was short-lived because CD Projekt Red removed it earlier this year. In a statement at their time, the developer said, When it comes to models of real people whom we've asked to participate in the game, we kindly ask you to refrain from using them in any situation that might be found offensive if you don't have their explicit permission. While Reeves didn't give us explicit permission to the creators to create new ways for players to digitally, you know, do stuff to him, he didn't seem sad by the news that it was no longer possible. While maybe that Reeves is quite happy for the players to carry out their fantasies with his digital self, the same certainly isn't true for Moth, saying, I, on the other hand, say, no, thank you. She clarified before Reeves interjected his own thoughts on that kind of content and members only content. <sighs> yeah. Awkward, isn't it? Like, how do you explain that? How do you explain that to to someone? Hey, uh, people want to want to get down and dirty with me in a video game I'm in. I kind of like it, and no one's like back away slowly. I probably would have been like that a guy looking. Like hearing calories about saying that, and I just slowly turned in with wide eyes in comedic fashion. Like, what? Also, uh, the Young Bucks are making a trend now. <laughs> Claims they t are taking credit for starting a recent pro wrestling trend. <laughs> uh, how they've been bringing their sneakers into their wrestling gear as of late, which garnered a lot of interest. 
man. Um, Matt explained to you, um, <clears throat> so they said this, Matt said this, we were turning heels, I told Nick, what is the one thing we could do to can that can piss off so many people? I've been obsessed with those Jordan 1 since they came out, and I said, what if we buy those and wrestle them? I knew it would be big, a big thing, but I didn't know it would be as big as a deal as it was. We still wanted something really unique from that point on, any pair of shoes we wore to the ring, we built a costume around them. The Young Bucks certainly got people talking about the sneakers on regular basis. They discussed what it was like to have started a trend within the sport. I feel like we actually made a trend. Made, made it a trend. If you look at the Instagram and Twitter on social media, you'll see wrestlers in sneakers, and that was a thing three or four years ago. Shimmer Man may have been the first to do it, but I don't think all the wrestlers were copying it. So maybe it, Shane is the OG, but we helped make it trendy. So at least they give Shane the cred that he was the OG, and they just popped it. Though, I, I think that happened a lot in Backyard Wrestling, because I don't think they had wrestling boots for everybody. For for Backyard Wrestlers. Like, I could be wrong. Also, in data news of the gaming world, Nintendo Switch was the best-selling console in the U.S. in November 2021. Yay! So, it's been the best-selling console throughout 2021, and has sold... With 555,000 of them sold during Thanksgiving week, with a total of 1.13 million consoles were sold during the month. Yay. So, yeah. Yep. Senior analysis notes that the PS5 and Xbox sales combined barely barely equals what the Switch sold in total, and, the, and that total sales of PS4, Xbox One, and Wii U back in November 2014 were higher than the Switch, PS5, and Xbox Series consoles this November. Okay, um, I, I just like to point this out, and this is painfully obvious. That's because we're kind of, we're dealing with this chip crisis in the gaming industry, because the pandemic happened, and it's gonna be a while before things like really get back on track. So, yeah. So there's been news about WWE game day one ticket sales being picked up. And according to Russell Tickets, there, there were 7,882 7, tickets distributed, which is 83% of the 9,594 capacity. Saying the strong movement of late up for this show, upper decks have expanded. It's apparently picked up due to the announcement of key matches like Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns round 562, triple threat for Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Big E, then Bobby Lashley got added because he had to beat all of them because, you know, you definitely want to, uh, you know, be motivated to like Big E more and get him over if he's just going to keep losing every single match when he's the freaking champion. The New Day versus The Usos, again... And WWE Hall of Famer Edge versus Miz, aka we're trying to go ahead and <clears throat> the Miz and Edge are gonna fight because we need to copy MJF and Punk, but make it less interesting in any way. Meanwhile, Hero Collector adds Iron Spider, Captain Carter, and Iron Gauntlet replicas. Okay. So yeah, more collecting items for the for the Hero Collectors Initiative stuff. 
of like the Iron Spider-Mask from the Infinity Saga, Iron Man's Nano Gauntlet from the climax of Avengers Endgame, and Captain Carter's Union Jack Jack Shield from the recent TV show What If. Why I never talked about that show on my sh- on my podcast is probably even I don't know. I just keep forgetting to do it. Meanwhile, at Ubisoft, because of course they still have they still get away with it with what they did. Uh, they're apparently moving forward with Dawn of Ragnarok, an Assassin's Creed Valhalla story expansion, and it will take Evor to the realm of Norse mythology as the character embraces a new role as the Norse god Odin. Okay. So, this DLC is said to be the franchise's largest yet, with saying that Dawn of Ragnarok contains over 35 hours of gameplay with a Norse realm to explore that's one-third size of Valhalla's England. In this expansion, Evar drinks a potion that transports them into the world of Jotunheim? No, wait, no. Uh, I'm okay, I'm not going to pronounce it. A mythology-infused world under invasion here as Evar embraces the role of Odin, and they set out on a mission to save the son Baldir. Along the way, the player will interact with the dwarves, frost giants, and more creatures from Norse mythology. Donald Ragnar will introduce new hooks into the combat, already established in the Valhalla base game. For example, a new player ability will allow players to absorb the powers and abilities of defeated enemies, changing the way a battle can play out. One of the abilities will let you resurrect defeated enemies to fight on your side, saying that the supernatural elements will play a key role in the gameplay, the creative director says. So... Yeah... Okay, um... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting, but at the same time, it's like, there's a reason I stopped playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla and even even Watch Dogs Legion on YouTube because of the uncomfortableness I learned when I learned what happened. So, as much as I'm, I would be interested in this, I really just can't be be interested to play it because of what came out and the fact that there were no accountabilities ever given uh then a couple of firing but yeah not the level of of you know of accountability that pe- that other people wanted and like jim sterling wanted james stephanie sterling I- i've been trying to remember that remember that he that they changed their name amen they are they're non-binary i keep trying to remember that i just been so used to calling him calling them jim sterling because that's how i watched the show but then they changed they changed their name and and uh and became non-binary and pansexual and all that and yeah it's a very hard thing to try to remember that for me sometimes but let's move on from the uncomfortableness that is Ubisoft and what they did and hope that they still get accountable accountability given to them, especially with Activision Blizzard continuing to shoot themselves in the foot whenever they get the chance to motivate workers to start fighting back. <clears throat> so, <sighs> the Unboxed feel rumors on the possible AEW match against the Hardy Boys. 
after he was released, after Jeff Hardy was released last week for de after declining their offer for rehab, and just delivering a lot of speculations about possibly reuniting AEW. This new post from the Young Bucks recently just added more fuel to the rumors when they talked about the when Matt Hardy took to Twitter to talk about the latter war match at Supercar Honor. 11 on in 2017 which saw the young bucks defeat the hardys become the become world ring of honor world tag team champs again and then the hardys showed up the next night at wrestlemania because that's the wrestling industry at times but yeah um jeff hardy won't be free from the WWE contract until his no compete clause ends, which will be Wednesday, March 9th. It remains to be seen if AEW has interest in bringing Jeff in due to the nature of his release and the fact that he turned down rehab. Matt sees a reunion with his brother of the weekend and has been kind of, and Jeff has been seen to be, be upbeat about everything. I don't know what's going on. Like I said, I don't know what's going on over there with him. Until we get the full story, we're, people are just get, we're just gonna speculate and come up with theories. But it looks like he's doing all right. His wife says he's doing all right. His brother's saying he's doing all right. We'll just have to see. Meanwhile, Killer Cross, also known as WWE's Carrion Cross, and Scarlet Boward, Scarlet are apparently not interested in returning to Impact. Talking at a virtual signing, and when a fan asked if they'd like to see her, said, who said they'd like to see her wrestle in Impact, saying, we're not going back there, we're not going back there, no. And Scar was asked if there's a reason why she wouldn't go back to Impact. She said, no, thanks for asking, though. <laughs> there was said to be behind-the-scenes issues between them, but there was never said what. But meanwhile, Scarlet has been freed from her non-compete clause for 30 days, while Killer Cross is still, will become a free agent on February 2nd when his 90-day non-compete clause ends. How about you just forgo it? Can, can they be allowed to forgo it? At least to give them the option? I'm just that guy who just wants them to at least be given to give wrestlers the option if they want to have the no compete clause. But whatever. So Tony Khan has hinted at big AEW debuts scattered over several shows of weeks of wrestling beyond just the whole winter is coming event. Saying, I want AEW to run shows that you just can't miss, and I think these next few weeks are going to be really exciting for fans of wrestling. All out saw the top end of our roster get a fresh look, but we had the opportunity to show that off at full gear, which meant our new guys combined with the great talent we already had were able to go out and put on a great show. It was going to be hard to follow all out, but like I've said, I'm big on giving fans the very best every time we put on a show, and I was really happy what we achieved at, all, at full gear. Ooh, yeah, that was fun. And there's a lot of people they can sign. Like, if they, I like, I know Tony Khan can't hire everybody because, let's be real, we don't, we, we understand that. At least AEW can say, well, when we do have people and we don't book them as much on TV, they at least have allowance to do other stuff or work at other places because we have partnerships and deals with them and we're not tyrants. You know. Like how Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, and Stephanie McMahon are included under the list of most influential media influencers. This is category for sports business list. In sports business, in the sports business list. Um, I needed a segue. 
Sports Business Journal's 2021 Most Influential People in Sports Business were Vince, Nick, and Stephanie McMahon Helmsley under Most Influential Media Influencers. So we can just ignore. Oh, and saying that there is clearly a repositioning of the WWE media business under Khan, who joined the company from CAA Sports in August 2020, especially with the move to Peacock as part of the five-year deal reported to be on more than a billion dollars. High-profile projects include a multi-part Netflix docu-series on Vince McMahon's life and a deal with Bloomhouse TV on a scripted series about WWE in the 1990s. I mean, we could ignore the other thing that got them so popular, but you know, screw that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Alex Ross. Haven't heard him in a long while, other than his cover work. Hmm. How do I explain this delicately? Alex Ross is going to publish his very first graphic novel at Abrams Comics Art in collaboration with Marvel Comics this next August, Fantastic Four First Full Circle, the first graphic novel written and illustrated by renowned comic artist Alex Roth in his 30 plus year career. Mm hmm. When was the last time Alex Ross did interior artwork? Like everyone wants to say Kingdom Come, but I, I honestly, I honestly don't know. I, I, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, in fact, let's take a look. We have a lot of time on our hands because we're, we're definitely not bored or anything in our lives. Maybe. Let's take a look. Uh, we, let's see. Um, let's see. He did art, 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 art. Uh, illustrations uh, for cover art. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Interior work. Uh, he did GSA Kingdom Come Special pencil arts and colors by Alex Sinclair. He did the Kingdom Come miniseries U.S. A.K.A. Uncle Sam. Um, the World's Greatest Superheroes Anthology, which were from 1998 to 2003. Then there's the Justice Limited series from 2005 to 7. Actually, I thought that was much longer ago, much more long ago. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> that was painted over Doug's pencils. Um, man. I, from what it seems like, I, I think he hasn't done it since. I, I would say Marvelosity, but that's but that's more like an art book, I think, for ten pages. Uh, so the last time he ever did a interior artwork for a comic or graphic novel was what's looking to be more and more like 2012. Okay. Get all that? And last but not least in this first half of this of this podcast, 
Gotham Knights, Batwoman, Batwoman writers, the CW team for the new series. Yeah, there's a new series called Gotham Knights. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah. Writer Natalia Abrams, James, whatever the last name is, and Chad Fibrous are said to bring Gotham Knights to the CW, but it's no time to celebrate Batman's old stomping grounds. Stomping grounds. We say old because the series takes place in the wake of Bruce Wayne's murder as his rebellious adopted son forges an unlikely alliance with the children of Batman's enemies when they are all friend for killing the Cape Crusader. As the city's most wanted criminals, this renegade band and misfits must fight to clear their names, but in Gotham with no dark knight to, to protect it, the city descends into, in into more dangerous than ever. However, hope comes from the most unexpected places. A team of mismatched fugitives will become the next generation of sabers known as the Gotham Knights. So, is the rebellious adopted son Jason Todd? Also, um, is this part of the Arrowverse? Is it part of the Arrowverse? Hmm. I, I don't know. When I read it the first time, I was like... Yeah, wait. Uh, just double-checked reading. Despite the network and the show's title, Gotham Knights is not a spin-off of the starring Batwoman series or or of the Gotham Knights video game franchise. To say that those involved have pretty extensive experience in the Arrowverse was an understatement since they are since they worked on numerous projects. So it's not part of the Arrowverse, but it's probably part of the DC multiverse of TV shows and movies. Now, if only we could bring the cartoons involved, that would be more awesome. But that's neither here nor there. Let's we'll be back after these messages, everybody. I'll see y'all soon. Welcome back, everyone, to Neo Reality Collective. Let's finish up this 26th episode and move on with our days. So after General Hospital X-Star, the actor who played Jasper Jax, uh, parted ways with the long-running ABC soap opera series over his refusal to abide by the health and safety protocols that included being vaccinated for COVID-19, the actor is doing for the network for what he says and complained and in Los Angeles Superior Court on Monday was its refusal to accommodate his religious objections, arguing his right to, bio, to bodily integrity and to informational privacy, and claims that the network's religious discrimination included a half an hour of cross-examination about his religious beliefs. Though, as was evident earlier today, the courts might be tough, might be a tough road for the actor to travel, with the Supreme Court refusing to step in legally with regards to the state of New York's own vaccine mandates, that state healthcare workers be vaccinated regardless of religious objections. ABC has not commented on the lawsuit. I want to say something. I'm just kind of sick of this. Like, I really hate the leaders of the world that propagated the fear and paranoia. Like, we didn't have this kind of issue with swine flu was a thing, and if we did, it was pretty small, as far as I'm aware. 
now, thanks to certain people I will not name on this podcast, now everyone wants to, now a lot of people want to think they're edgy right now. As we have an Omicron variant running around, spreading chaos. That was your public service announcement for politics. I will not talk about that anytime soon, hopefully. Oh, who am I kidding? This is... Uh, I'm not even kidding. This is probably going to be a common thing for the next few months if with Omicron running around now. So, um... Well, remember the most infamous PR disaster of all time for Microsoft? That, uh... That resulted in Microsoft losing a billion dollars? More than a billion dollars? The Red Ring of Death. So. <laughs> so they announced, because it's a horrible joke, I would think, the Red Ring of Death poster is available for the Xbox Gear Shop for 25 bucks. The poster is part of a series highlighting the various chapters in Power On docuseries. It reflects, reflects that somewhat blunt and unsentimental approach taken by the documentary with titles like And During Turn On and The Valentine's Day Massacre. That's one of an arrow through the heart in, of the Xbox. bad that was a bad time for xbox 360 owners when the massive hardware failures occurred <laughs> okay that's the thing stardom meanwhile is gonna have a match set for wrestle kingdom 20 wrestle kingdom 16 in 2022 Ooh. Will this air though? What will this air? I, I want to know this will. Uh, it's currently unknown. Yeah. And this is the company that wants to have 10 matches for three nights of New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 16. Because they're insane. Also, in the wrestling world, Liv Morgan is hoping to meet Angry Liv Girl and apologize for losing to Becky Lynch. So, yeah, there was an Angry Liv fan, a little girl, and she was pissed. And uh, that Morgan lost to Becky Lynch. Sa Morgan says, I would love to meet her. I want to find her and send her a letter or a video. Oh, oh, I just want to thank her for supporting me and watching and being there. And I want to just apologize if I disappoint her, but I want her to let her know that this is over with and I'm going to keep on fighting. I definitely want to find her somehow and say hello. She's so cute. Yeah. So it's part, they're going to have a rematch at day one. Imagine that's going to be the reason she wins. 
Also, um, AEW currently continues to boost momentum as Christopher Daniels reveals he wants to return to wrestle again in AEW. He said on the AEW panel at C2E2, Ooh, that he wants to get back into an AEW ring and do something with this roster. The last match I had was the night that we wrestled against the Bucks, and unfortunately we lost, and SCU had to split up. Since that time, I had sort of been weighing my future in the ring, and I decided I still wanted to give wrestling another the ring a go. Honestly, I would be lying if I said I was, that I was happy going to AEW, not seeing my name on the board. I want to get back in the ring and do something with this roster. But I also realized that AEW is not a vanity project, and maybe Christopher Daniels in the ring isn't the best thing for AEW at this time, which is a stacked card and so many young talents there. It's not my call. I hope to get in the ring at some point soon, but if not, I also realize that I'm still contributing to AEW, and the face decided that my best contribution is behind the scenes, then so be it. But if I'm still ready to go, and the minute I see my name on the board, I'll lace them up and bring it. Christopher Daniels. Mr. Christopher Daniels. You are the first out-of-touch old man to not believe in me. But I will make damn well certain. You are the last. Rest in peace, Brody. Ooh, man. While he has a wrestling AEW, Daniels has performed several times since returning to the ring at Impact's Wrestling September set, September set tapings. He also wrestled in Defi for Defy, the Jericho Cruiser, the Jericho Cruise, New Japan, and First Wrestling in the wake of him, you know, losing to the Young Bucks with, with uh, Frankie Kazarian. In fact, I now realize, what's been going on with Frankie Kazarian? Is he still the Elite Hunter? Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of lost track. I kind of forgot about him for a little bit. So, Pete Dunne wants to keep the NXT's in-ring quality consistent. Yeah, good freaking luck with that. He said this on Corey Grace's After the Bell, saying it's a completely different scene there now, right? And it continues to change, but to me, it's business as usual in a sense, right? Like, I'm still me, I'm exactly the same. I want to be as competitive as I can. I want to find the best matches I can. It's just different, different crew people to work with and do that. I want to still do me and the same style match and the same sort of thing with a new cast of characters, right? I'm looking forward to different opportunities to work with different guys and also selling what NXT is about. You know, like you said, preparing for war games, I know you're, what I'm going out there and I'm about to do. I think a lot of the guy, of these guys now is about keeping the same standard that we got NXT known for. People knew about those takeovers that were going to be hard to follow. I want to keep a standard right and just bringing these new guys in and see if they can hang with us and the others to do that too. We'll still have gonna have that same quality. Saying he wants to keep the keep the core of NXT intact, he said. Um yeah, that's not how this works, Pete. It is going to be gone. Like, USA Network's pissed that it keeps declining ratings and demo. And even your buddies all decided this place just doesn't seem worth it anymore. Like, Kyle O'Reilly packed up and left. Johnny Gargano's on Twitch now, having fun and partying! And chatting the bastard. Nah, no insults. I just like the guy. He's awesome. Johnny Wrestling. Johnny Twitch. Okay, I think that's gonna be his next nickname. I'm just, I'm just like, I don't really know what's gonna happen down the road with NXT, but I'm pretty sure the quality, in-ring quality, is gonna be changing very drastically. Especially when you have to rely on Chucky to sell Halloween Havoc instead of Halloween Havoc. 
and I still remember scarring my ATW crew for that on my on the podcast on ATW ATW Talk on Noah Foster's channel. Oh man, that was hilarious. Also, in a oh my god, why was this never brought up? Um. So, the Library of Congress and the Librarian of Congress that announced that they are putting into the National Film Registry, such as part of the 25, title, 25 films chosen for preservation on classic titles from likes of Robert Altman, Wes Craven, Alfred Hitchcock, and now Peter Jackson and George Lucas again. With Return of the Jedi and Fellowship of the Rings, and I'm just thinking, wait, Return of the Jedi was never in the film registry? Um, stop me, uh, that was never in the film registry this whole time? You need to tell me for, let's see, when, when did Return of the Jedi come out? Um... Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. Um, for over, uh, uh, you mean to tell me for over 40 years? Eight, nine, one, ten, two, forty plus years, if if I'm correct. That has never entered the film registry. It wasn't entered in like 2000 or something. That would have made more sense. Okay. With the most current film added to it is being Wally from 2008. Fellowship of the Rings, I at least can understand because that was 2001. It would usually take some time for a film to be considered to be nominated for the uh, registry by the Library of Congress. Meanwhile, there's going to be a 50th anniversary special of Ghost Rider. Written in February, Marvel is going to be launching a new Ghost Rider series by Benjamin Percy and Corey Smith. The solicitation reading, Johnny Blaze has the perfect life, a wife and two kids, a job at an auto repair shop, and a small town community that supports him. Well, let's see. If I'm correct by my logic about how comic books are, that's going to end badly. In, like, the first issue. But Johnny is doing well. He has nightmares, monsters when he sleeps, and he sees bloody visions when he's awake. He, the, this life is beginning to feel like a prison, and that spear with him that's begging to break out. Benjamin Percy and Corey Smith are going back to basics with Spirit of Vengeance in this exercise first issue. <sighs> Why do we have to go back to basics? And the whole Ghost Rider 50th Anniversary Special is from, in fact, a Ghost Rider paperback that's coming out in August 16, 2022. So, in between, let's see, February to, to at the very least, if I was correct, June, June that this is going to be the anniversary special. Or maybe July. But, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, do we have to do the whole back-to-basic stuff? Why can't we have the character good where he's at and we can just expand upon it? 
Instead of treating it like, Oh, he's happy! We gotta go back to basics to make him miserable! So, yeah. So, Donny Cates' God Country book with Jeff Shaw is coming to, from Image Comics, is coming to Netflix and Legendary Pictures to become a movie. Now, to be a Netflix movie with Legendary Studios with Sweet Tooth TV director Jim Mickley, he is the director of the film. As part of the exclusive, exclusive for the Hollywood Report, THR, are the announcement also reveals that Sony Donny Cates' earlier publishing deals that he has now stepped away from as Aftershocks Media are listed as representing the property, despite Image Comics publishing it. Aftershock published previous titles from Donny. Jim Mickley will also be co-writing the screenplay with Cates. THR reports that Mary Patton and Ali M Mendez this from Legendary and Lee Kerman and John Kerman from Aftershock are producing as well as Jim Mickley and his partner under the Nightshade nice banner. So in the comic book God Country, readers meet the Emmett Quillen, an old widower rattled by dementia, uh, isn't just a problem for his children and his violent outbursts are more than the local cops can handle. When a tornado levels his home as all the surrounding West, West Texas town, a restored Quinlan rises from the wreckage and a enchanted sword at the eye of the store gives him more than a sound mind and body. However, he's now the only man who can face these otherworldly creatures the sword has drawn down onto the Lone Star State. Because comic books. Meanwhile, as Doctor Strange prepares for his Multiverse of Madness trip next year, and also contributing to breaking the Marvel Multiverse in the uh, MCU soon, he's getting killed off in the comics. Yeah, he's being killed off in the comics, announcing that Doctor Strange is dead, and his name is the newest hero is now Doctor Strange! Wait. So, it was announced that with Death of Doctor Strange, it was announced that Strange's ex-wife in the comics, Klee, if I'm if I corrected that name, Klee herself will take up her ex-husband's role in, the new, in a new ongoing series starting in March 2022, saying after the apocalyptic events of Death of Doctor Strange, there's a new Sorcerer Supreme in Resident 177A Blacker Street, and a new Doctor Strange, Klee Strange, the wife of Doctor Strange, because we have to make it as strange as possible, because the title is simply called Strange, and she's got her work cut out of her. When she's not finding the magical gangsters of the blasphemy syndicate or battling undead super monsters he's going after what's hers the late stephen strange clay is of the flatline the race of warlords and conquerors and like her relatives Doranru and umar she will not be thwarted by in her desires not even the mysterious harvestmen standing in her way this shakeup happens just two months before the release of doctor strange in the multiverse of madness So, lately, Marvel's been acting weird how they've been doing the mantle passing. Like, Danny Rad is is being replaced with a new Asian hero as the new Iron Fist in February, while the relaunched Venom that came out passes the symbiote from Eddie Brock to his son Dylan. And Eddie Brock got killed off in that first issue, as far as I'm aware, until it's revealed he's in space, because Cosmic... 
because it's written by Al Ewing and uh, Illering and uh, Ram B, the horror writer, and also Justice League Dark Rider. He's awesome. Um, I'm just like, why are we? Because this kind of sort of sounds like what DC Comics wanted to do with DC 5G when Dan DiDio was being an imbecile at DC Comics. Like how it was revealed by Graham Morrison that DC Comics is Dan DiDio wanted to turn, uh, how do I say this delicately, um, into a right-wing authoritarian dictator. I am not going to go into that because that pissed me off. Like, wow. Like, they do not get this. He does not get this. So, anyways. <laughs> Brian Nielsen reveals potential scenarios against AEW star Darby Allin and new Ring of Honor world champion Jonathan Grissom who has also expressed an interest in fighting Brian. And Brian said, I'd love to wrestle Jonathan Grissom. If I'm pronouncing his last name wrong, I'm sorry. I love his style. He's got a great Matt wrestling style. I think he's one of the guys who have really carried on the tradition of real technical wrestling wrestling. I think that match will be a lot of fun. Then when asked if AEW sees someone who can tell the best story opposite of him in the future, he named Darby Allen and said it would be a dream scenario in Seattle. That would be a really hard one. I think it's a really interesting one. This would be, if you're talking about Dream Scenario, it would probably be with Darby Allen, and that match would happen in Seattle. We're both from there, and just telling a story of two guys kind of from the same place, but are completely different. One is young and on the rise and already a superstar. One is aging, and this is the Twilight, that sort of thing. That, I think, would be a pretty cool story. Huh. Um, so, did he say any suggestive content that would make this an uh, make this not safe for work content when he talks about his disturbing fetishes? He didn't? Okay, good. That would have been awkward more. Also, as part of the Destiny of X initiative, Knights of, of X and X-Force get, relau get relaunched and Knights of the X has been announced for the Destiny of X saga of the X-Men. And coming out of the coming out of this week's X Force and Excalibur, published by Marvel Comics, this week of December fifteenth. X Force number one looks like it will continue from the current X Force comics and probably written by Benjamin Percy, containing what seems to be reportedly Wolverine, Deadpool, Omega Red, Colossus, Forge, Domino, and the Beast, and will be tackling the secrets of monsters lying under Kakoa. Uh, and we don't know that. Uh, So, also, the Knights of X series from Marvel, as part of the Destiny of X books, looks like it will continue from Excalibur and the Krakoan X-Men line, but more so just as Excalibur has ventured into other world, the supernatural fairy world that both Merlin and Captain Britain originate. Merlin, meanwhile, is currently also terrorizing the DC Universe in Atlantis. And that Sir James Jasper and the fairies have made home. So that will be the sole focus of Knights of X. X or Knights of Ten being the other world book and exploring its many realms. How many realms, you ask? Ten. Just as House of Ten was really House of Ten, the tenth life of more Metagrit, and Powers of Ten was really Powers of Ten. Looking at time periods where it began, ten years later, a hundred years later, and a thousand later, so Knights of X is really Knights of Ten, or rather Knights of Ten Realms. Note the indicator at the top. Yeah. And yes, it will probably be written by Teeny Howard 
of Catwoman and current writer of Excalibur, and drawn by New Mutants Rodriguez, continuing the fight between the mutants of Greco and Otherworld against Merlin and his Avalon forces. That's just the thing we accept. Meanwhile, along with the former Strowman, uh, who is now calling himself Titan, and <laughs> it seems like Killer Cross is apparently linked up with the Control Your Narrative brand and has joined the Narrative Faction. Say, with EC3 posting, it is though this awakening I have seen the gatekeepers of this industry are nothing when they face the men of action. There is no defense for those with free will, those who hear the cheers of their ancestors, those who feel the beat of their wild hearts, hashtag control your narrative. Cross posted the same graphic image of him and of of him, EC3 and and Titan, saying some decisions in life are out of our hands. However, you could be the worst en enemy of the to the system, or absolutely nothing. Which would you be? Choose to control. Hourglass emoji. He also retweeted a recent CYN promo from Titan EC3, saying and Titan reposted with, "We go where we want when we want." Hashtag you've been warned. The group also features Weston Blake, a formerly known as Wesley Blake from WWE and others. The group appeared with EC3 at Ring of Honor's final battle pay-per-view and took out pretty much a lot of tag teams. And has promoted two free the narrative events. Under the banner, the inaugural event held back in May, the Sun defeat Matt Cardona, while the second event released in October featured Titan defeating EC3 in the main event. So, yeah. So, I, and it's easy to say I think Scarlet's gonna join this group. I got. I like what EC3's doing. The, the, the narrative group is about this idea of free of individuality, yet yet teamwork or something like that. But I I'm gonna have to check out more of his stuff. Of but I had liked EC3's very dark promos he cut. They were awesome. Meanwhile. <laughs> so it seems okay how do i say this delicately WWE and the tv partners of theirs are reportedly interested in mjf mjf had made a response fox and usa network are also reportedly having an interest in mjf and especially WWE signing them, according to Andrew Zarian of Matman Radio. It was noted that MJF's current programming of Punk has brought a new level of interest from non-pro wrestling followers at both networks. MJF then responded to the tweet, indicating that his contract is up in 2024, writing The Bidding War of 2024. It was noted by Zarian that a reliable source at one of the networks recently commented on the November 17th MJF Punk Dynamite promo segment stated, I actually stopped what I was doing and listened to him. I don't think I have done that with pro wrestling in a long time. There were also previously similar conversations about interest in MJF, but apparently that interest is at an all-time high right now. One source reportedly saying of WWE, he has everything we would want. It really depends on if he could be that same person on WWE TV. We want new stars to be the focus within the next few years. That's the plan. Okay. I honestly don't think he's going to. Now, I could be wrong because of another reason I'll get into. But MJF, the way he is, 
doesn't work in WWE by default. MJF is a very cursive, very foul mouth, articulate promo guy, and he is also very much in character. WWE is a TV PG company with only NXT starting to get edgier, but really the colorfulness doesn't really work with him, I think. <laughs> but yeah, and MGF does go to very sensitive places at times and says very, uns very unsavory stuff. So I don't think that would work. It like it, it, you would have to really reduce him down to make it work. And MGF would have to be more creative than ever just to make it work. And then even then, it's probably going to get screwed over if Vince is still around by 2024, considering that the guy's old and I'd be amazed. And honestly, at this point, he's probably going to try and live forever. So really, it's not surprising if he tries to. But we'll have to see in 2024. Now, the reason why I say it could be a possibility because Kevin Owens is reportedly staying, saying that he re-signed with WWE, according to Fightful Select. WWE officials made an excellent offer to Owens to stay, and they are said to be over the moon about the former Universal Champion re-signing. When it looked like he was going to be joining AEW with the... Supposedly, uh, the AEW would have had interest in signing Owens, but sources there did not believe that the company would have matched what WWE offered Owens to stay. I have a question. What on earth did they offer Kevin Owens that AEW couldn't match or surpass? Because they have the money. Because Tony Khan and his dad are worth more than Vince, not even combined. So, what's the what was the deal that WWE gave Owens that AEW couldn't? Less dates. I mean, AEW is that by default. Um, did they allow him to go on Twitch? Like, I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know how, what they did. Like, we should hopefully, hopefully we'll get details in the coming days, but still. Meanwhile, Tom King and David Marque Marquez launched Batman Killing Time in March. Superstar writer and former CIA agent, that, that's just a thing we accept, Tom King, because he was a CIA since he did work in government and covert stuff, I think. Tom King returns to Batman in March for a new miniseries for artist David Marquez and Alejandro Sanchez for Batman Killing Time, seeing Catwoman, the Riddler, and Penguin team up to... The steal a priceless artifact from Bruce Wayne in a heist comic set in Batman's early days before he and Catwoman were constantly, you know, <laughs> gang together because that would make the whole stealing thing very weird. And so, yeah, this is part of the solicitations of stuff. Saying, uh, meanwhile, back in Gotham City, writer Tom King returns to tell a new Batman story with, with the two artists in a six-issue miniseries on sale March 1st. 2022, three villains, one Dark Knight, and a deadly heist gone wrong. But with rogues like the, so the uh, the blockbuster team of Tian King and David Marquez 
bring an epic white knuckle action-packed tale of a young bruise batman desperate to recover his most prized position from a host of violent rogues before the clock strikes the killing time it's killing time it's killing time it's killing time also, there was a bit of an incident over last week's Dynamite at the UBS Arena in Long Island, New York. Security for the arena reportedly allowed a fan backstage because he was posing as an extra, according to FIFA Select. Things quickly went south for the fan after he made his way to the locker room and took a seat in the spot reserved for AAA Tag Team Champion Dax Hardwood. The fan was informed that he had taken Hardwood's seat. He then apologized and said he was an extra, but then moved into a seat that had belonged to the Blade. People in the locker room were now aware of the fan and that something was not right. They began questioning him, who was now applying Jeff Hardy style arm brands. When asked who trained him, the man named Jeff, but that was a red flag as he does not train other wrestlers. It's since been confirmed that Jeff did not train the man. Oh boy. Furthermore, the man could not correctly identify who would, who would have booked him for extra work, sign the name of a person who does not do that job. Whereas that Hardwood and MJF quickly ejected the man from the locker room and took him to a person who indicated that, that the same fan had been, had been kicked out of an AEW timeout taping in Boston back in October 27th. The man also claimed to be a friend of Taz, which was clearly not true from the stores. There has been said to be no heat on AEW security because there wasn't their responsibility as much as it was USB, UBS's arena security. Okay, are we just gonna just have this happen now? Fan, fan gets backstage, takes a seat, then get, then basically gets thrown out, and then a Seth Rollins is attacked, and everyone seems to blame Seth Rollins for not fighting back, even though, while well, I'm a proponent for the wrestlers to at least have the right to defend themselves. Then the video came out about the guy, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of glad he didn't because the guy's clearly lost his mind and needs professional help. But how, it's just weird that happened. But last but not least, we got one last piece of news from DC Comics. Trial of the Amazons kicks off on March 1st, 2021 with Trial of the Amazons issue one from Writers Becky Cullen, Michael Conrad, Vita Ayala, Stephanie Williams, and Jolly Jones writing and drawing with artists Ellen Kasgren, Lauren Barry, and Skylar P Pedri. If I butchered every name wrong, I am sorry. Continuing from the events of Nibia and the Amazons, the dangers of Doom's doorway have found their way to Mansfield and garnered the attention of not one, but all three Amazonian tribes. The, the Bana, considered it to be a sign of weakness in their current regime, have decided to return to the shores of Themyscira to stake their claim over the island. Little do they know, uh, the Esquad, the, the Esquad, I can't pronounce that, uh, the, the Amazons of the Rainforest, are now far behind looking for help to combat the evil unleashed. Tempers rise and stories are brandish as the women argue about the best course of action leading to one of the most famous Amazon traditions, the Contest. DC Comics proudly presents the first Wonder Woman crossover of its kind, brought to you by the writers behind Wonder Woman, Nubia and the Amazons, and Wonder Girl, and some of the best and brightest artists in the industry. Yeah, because George Perez's iconic War of the Gods wasn't a massive crossover event, and from what it looked like, it was the last big Wonder Woman crossover event since then, up until now. And props to George Perez. Hope, all, hope things turn out well for him. And... 
hopes uh, and he has announced that he has an inoperable cancer recently and fans are giving their support for him and believe that they should let him have Avengers and Justice League finally be re-released after all these years of not being on print because the two companies have a pissing contest still a little bit though not as much as they used to though they're not doing anything to fix it that's just a thing we accept but okay The most monumental story brings together all the Wonder Woman tiles and characters and will change the future of the Amazons forever! Really? Like, are we really doing this whole, it will change everything! At least until the next week. Also, uh, I'm gonna ask, uh, so when is the other Wonder Girl gonna show up? You know, Cassie Sandsmark? Oh, what about Donna Troy? She's been showing up in the Wonder Girl tiles outside of the Teen Titans Academy story. A and any other Teen Titan related material, so yay! They remember she's an Amazon of sorts, but still, she's an Amazon. So, um, when do the others show up? When, when, will they show up in the story? Please have them show up in the story. Heck, I, I kind of want to uh, try to get a big role down the road. I want someone. I, I, I even wrote that maybe we should. I even wrote that Kelly Sue. Kelly Sue, who's currently doing the Wonder Woman Historia story, which on my YouTube channel content of this vi of the podcast has actually been doing pretty well with over a hundred views. Who's uh, she's currently set issue two for April fifth, twenty twenty two, with art by Jean Ha. So I'm thinking to myself, can we have Kelly Sue write a Donna Troy ongoing or mini series or something that can be an ongoing from a limited series? Please? I need this. I like Donna Troy and I want this character to get respect. More. She hasn't had a, on, she hasn't had a series on her own since Phil Jimenez wrote her back in The Return of Donna Troy, which was the prelude to Infinite Crisis. And that gave me hope that there was going to be a big push for her when, I, when, when you look back on it and realize, oh, DC Comics introduced the Spinner logo with her comic outside of the big three that should have been indicated that yeah we're gonna really push down troy to make it the next big thing in dc comics one of our big top pillars with nightwing and then later with holly quinn we would do no we then erased her from the new 52 brought her back had her kill a bunch of people then she gets killed off for a while and then comes back with her memories restored of her past life as a titan and oh my god we do another origin story for her and holy f Bink. Do you not see a problem with this? Oh. <laughs> okay. That's enough for me. Enjoy this last ad break. Uh, looking forward to what Wonder Woman's biggest crossover event yet since War of the Gods, probably. Um... I sincerely hope, sincerely hope we get a lot of content out of this, and hopefully more than just what's been advertised so far as the Bana, Nubia, Wonder Girl, Yari Floor, and Hippolyta. Can we get Cassie Sandsmark and Donna Troy in there now, please? Again, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, we'll be back. At 
back down the road and hopefully we can get back to the shape of things with this podcast series other than talking about reviews and being occasionally doing an episode but that's for the future we'll be back and hopefully i'll also plan to talk about no way home if i see that in theaters i'm still unsure due to the covid even though i am having all my vaccines and i did get my booster so we'll have to see uh i don't know yet but i do have ideas to talk about that movie along with other stuff but well like i said we'll have to see so this was neo reality collective signing out enjoy this last ad break and this outro for today take care be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.